Okay, good evening. Welcome. Um, we're going to get started because, as always, we have a lot to cover. So, we are on chapter 43. Um, so, we're going to be doing chapter 43. We might, I'm hoping that we can also get to 44 because they're very much connected, but it's okay. If we don't get there, that's fine, but we'll see how it goes. So, what have we been discussing until now in this section? Remember, we have a section that started from chapters 40. I think the section was four, 41 to 50. So we are already a couple chapters into this section where we're talking about meditation, right? We're talking about how to create these emotions for God. So if we were to summarize what we have been talking about till now and what we're going to continue to be discussing in one sentence, it might be a run-on sentence, but one sentence, this is what it would sound like. It would be, if you meditate on subjects that lead to awe and love, you will experience these emotions that will also lead to changed behaviors, right? So I'm going to say it again, because and you can write it down if you want, or you could just listen to the recording, or you can just remember it, um, because this is the crux of exactly what we're doing in these 10 chapters. If you meditate on subjects that lead to awe and love, so remember, we're not meditating on the emotion itself, right? Because that wouldn't be possible. You're meditating on concepts that will lead you to these emotions, right? So if you do that, if you meditate on these concepts that will lead to these emotions, you'll experience these emotions, right? And if you experience these emotions, they will then lead to changed behaviors, right? So even, so that was a, a sentence and even a, a more summarized version, simplified, 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 it would sound like, if you, um, if you think it, you'll feel it and then do it, right? You'll think about it, you'll feel it, and then you'll do it. So that's like in a short sentence, what we're talking about and what we're trying to accomplish. So um, in these coming chapters, we are discussing what we should think about right? What are we doing right now? We're um, discovering the different meditations that will bring us to these different levels of awe and these different levels of love. Okay. What have we covered so far? We've talked about awe, right? Because we've talked about why awe needs to be the foundation. So I'm not going to talk about it again because we've went over it, but we need to, we know that awe and respect needs to be the foundation. Um, so we've talked about a few different meditations to get to awe. We're going to continue that discussion. We're going to talk about a, a few more levels of awe, and then that's going to lead us right into the discussion of love. If you're wondering why I am not in my office and I'm at home, it's minus 27 degrees outside. So I was like, I'm not stepping out the door right now. It's blowing wind and snow. So it's not as good of like a, my, my picture is not as clear, but please forgive me. And I just decided not to brave the weather because I can do it right from here. Um, usually I do. I love doing it in the office because then nobody can disturb me. 
Um, but at this time I'm like, I'll take the risk. <laughs> um, okay. That was a total digression, but I just had to share. Um, okay. So the chapter 43 is going to start with a, um, saying or an expression from the Talmud, our sages. And our sages say like this, if there is no fear, there is no wisdom. Im ein yira, ein chachma. If there's no fear, there's no wisdom. And they also say, Im ein chachma, ein yira. If there's no wisdom, there's no fear. Okay, so on one hand, we say, if there's no fear, there's no wisdom. And on another hand, we say, if there's no wisdom, there's no fear. So it sounds a little bit like a trap, right? Like, where do we, how do we get in? How do we, what's the door? How do we open the door? If we can't have wisdom without fear, we can't have fear without wisdom. How do we operate? How do we get to these accomplishments? It doesn't feel like a fair, it feels like we're being set up, right? Um, so what the what we're going to learn is that there's different, and we've already discussed that there's many different translations, explanations to yira, which is fear or awe or respect, right? We, we've used many different explanations for yira. And what we're going to learn is that there's, there's the yira means different things in each phrase and how it makes sense. Okay. So in the phrase, are you, is everybody good so far? Any questions? We're good. Okay. So in the phrase that says, if you don't have fear, you don't have wisdom. The fear we're talking about is a fear that we've discussed already. It's the lowest level of fear. What's the lowest level of fear? It's that like inhibition, right? It's that, oh, being aware of your behaviors just as much as you're, you're aware of your behaviors when you're around other people, right? So remember we discussed, if you want to respect God, at least respect him and fear him just as much as you would somebody else that you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want them to see you misbehaving, right? That's the level of fear that we're talking about. Um, sorry, it's a weird angle on Instagram, but whatever, you'll forgive me. Um, that's the level of fear that we're talking about in the first phrase. So what does it say? Um, if you, um, so the, this lower level of fear is just enough to keep you aware of your behaviors, right? Where do we, how do we create this fear? How do we create this fear of inhibition? We all know, right? We meditate, right? Exactly. What are we meditating um, on? What are we meditating on? You should think about, um, the, the, we were told last chapter what to meditate on to get to that fear. We're going to add something here as another part of the meditation that's going to add another dimension to this fear. What are we going to meditate on? You should think about the vastness of the universe, right? Because Yira in general, what is happening when we experience Yira, right? We are experiencing um, inhibition, right? So we're, it, it makes us feel small right? So as opposed to ahava love, which is expansiveness, right? When you love and you're emoting that way, you get bigger. When we are talking about Yira, we want to take up as least amount of space as possible. We're talking about getting smaller, right? So when you think about the vastness of the universe and how 
you are one little piece of this huge wide universe that brings that intensifies that um, feeling of smallness, right? How small we are. And that reminds us that, you know, we're just a little, you know, small thing in God's big world. We should, you know, we should act on that. Um, and what does it say? Um, what are some examples that can help you feel small, right? You look at the stars in the sky, or you look at the vastness of the Grand Canyon, or any physical um, phenomenon, or any physical, amazing, like overpowering physical experience. When I don't know, if I live in a place that um, that allows me to feel that almost every day, right? Because I go out my door and I'm surrounded by these big huge um mountains right and it makes you like you look up and you're like holy moly like this is only god can create something like this this is vast and huge and big right and it's also called montana's um phrase is big sky big sky country right so you look up into the sky and it's so vast and it's so big right so what we want to do is we want to take that emotion that we are experiencing towards something physical which is the world. And we want to then apply that to God, right? The God who created all these amazing, vast, awesome, um, physical objects. Like if we're, if we feel insignificant and small compared to that, now apply it to God, right? So um, the goal is to be a little bit more inhibited, a little bit more aware of our, our smallness, and it should help us be aware of our behaviors, okay? Um, and we want to think about how big and great the creations of Hashem are. So um, the, other, <laughs> the other thing that can help us part of this meditation, which maybe you'll take issue with, but that's okay, um, is it helps us know our place a little bit, right? Like we don't always have to get our way. Sometimes we're in this world and we want things to go a certain way and we expect things to go a certain way. And when we think about, okay, well, the world doesn't revolve around me and me alone, right? Like I don't always have to get my way. I don't, and, um, and we, we sometimes maybe can like be more aware of like our chutzpah in the sense of like, we think we're running the show. We think we know what's best. We demand from God what we think to be appropriate for us. But if we would just reframe for a second and be like, wow, there's a big, vast world out there. And I am just a one small piece of it. It helps us put things in perspective and it helps us be like, okay, so I don't always get what, what I want, right? I don't always know what's best for me. Um, I don't always, I can't always, or not I can't, but maybe I shouldn't always be this demanding, like, excuse me, this is what's coming to me, right? Um, so this is all part of this meditation of what we can think about if we're trying to create this lower level of fear, okay? Um, now, back to our phrase. What was the first phrase we're discussing? Um, you can't have wisdom without fear, right? Can't have wisdom without fear. So this kind of, 
Yira, this kind of respect slash awe um, is the gate to observing the Torah. Okay, so if you have this attitude of inhibition, right, um, and this idea of containment, right, like you're containing yourself, right, you're not just spread all over the place, and you're not the only thing that God has to worry about, right, then this will lead to the Torah observance, because we need to come into learning Torah with a little bit of humility, if we don't have that humility, we don't have that recognition that we are just a small piece in God's world, why would you be interested in studying Torah in the first place, right? The only reason why you're going to want to study Torah, if it's not purely for intellectual pursuit, and we've discussed that, right? We don't only want to study Torah for intellectual pursuit. It's a great thing, but you're not really accomplishing a godly act when you do that. Um, but when, in order to be a vessel for wisdom, for God's wisdom, in order, actually, in order to be a vessel for any wisdom, you've got to have some humility. If you're not willing to open yourself up to uh, others, as the, other people's thoughts, which we can digress on this for a very long time, especially in today's world, right? It's like my way or the highway, my thought. And if you don't agree with my thought, I cancel you, right? Like that's the culture that we're in today. That is not the God operating culture, right? Godly culture will be, I have humility and I have enough humility for me to make, make space for other people's thoughts. How much more so for God, right? So in order to have wisdom, in order to immerse yourself in God's wisdom and, and appreciate God's Torah, what has to come first? This humility, this containment, this recognition that I am not the be all and end all. I am not the know-it-all. I don't know everything. I have space for God's Torah. I have space for God's wisdom. And that is the gate into which we enter the Torah study process. Okay. So the first part of the set of that phrase makes sense, right? There is no wisdom without fear right? So there is no, you are not going to be a vessel for Torah study and for wisdom if you don't have the basic level of fear first. And I, I would venture to say, you're not even going to be interested in God's, God's wisdom. You're not even going to be at all remotely available for God's wisdom if you don't have that entry level of humility and understanding that you are not the, the man, right? You are not all of it and, 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 and doesn't end with you and start with you. Right. Um, so that's how we explain the first phrase now. Um, and to even take it a step further, just because we're always focused on action here, right. Not just emotion in order to want, in order to bring to the next level, to fulfill the actual mitzvahs, you've got to know what they are, right. You've got to study them. You've got to have God's wisdom to a certain degree. You don't have to be a Torah scholar to do a mitzvah, right? But you have to have enough information to be able to carry out God's will. So it's, remember, it's this domino effect. You've got to have humility in order to study God's Torah. And in order to perform God's will, you've got to have a little bit of wisdom. Okay. So any questions before we move on to the next level of, of fear? Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Um, Great. So now there is a higher level of Yira. 
um, we did not discuss this level of fear yet. We've really kind of stayed in that first level for quite a few chapters, right? We were really getting to the place of understanding what it was and recognizing why it has to come first. So we, we spent a lot of time there. Now we're going to move to the next level of fear. Now it is going to, to preface, it's going to feel a little counterintuitive to what you know therapeutically and what we even studied with Tanya, but bear with me because it is going to make sense. Um, someone, I don't know what that said. Um, okay. So the next, the next level of fear is called Yira Ila'a, which is the higher level of fear and also referred to as Yira, Yira Boshes, right? Shame-based fear. Okay. Buzzword, shame, right? We know Shame is no good. We don't like shame. It's not productive. Even we learned in Tanya a couple chapters ago that shame is not productive. We we're going to use shame here in a little bit of a different category. And if, if somebody finds a word that's better to substitute it, I'm all in. I haven't spent enough time thinking about a good substitute word, but I'm sure there is one. So right now we're going to stick with it, but bear with me. Okay. So we're not talking about the shame of modern times, right? Like you are ashamed uh, for who you are and you're, and you're like, you, like you just have discussed with yourself, right? We're not talking about that shame. Um, we are talking about shame in a very specific area, okay? So this doesn't translate into anything else. It's about being uncomfortable that we are taking up space in this world that God is really everything and everywhere. So if God, I remember we spoke about in previous chapters, how, you know, there's the, um, the dual, right. The non-duality of the world, like how really everything is all inclusive in God. There's nothing that's outside of God. Right. So we've learned that. So we're familiar with this concept. And if you want to understand more about that, and you're new to this tiny class, chapters 20, chapters 21, right? We spoke about this non-duality of God. So we, so we we're know that. We know that that exists. And here we are as a physical human taking up space as an, an entity, as an existence that's outside of God. It's uncomfortable, right? It's like, ooh, we feel uncomfortable in our own skin. Like, how could we be taking up space? Even though we know that that's the, we're here for a reason and God's purpose and whatever, but there is that level of like, me, how am I taking up space? It's an uncomfortable kind of situation. So it's shame in the sense that I, I feel ashamed that I'm here taking up space, not because you're inherently bad or inherently wrong, or you did something wrong, or there's guilt, right? We know for sure it's not guilt because even a tzaddik who has perfect behaviors and perfect emotions can feel this level of fear can feel this level of uncomfortability of Atata can feel it even more than, than the rest of us because they're really so close to that concept of they're really living with the concept that God is everything. So it makes somebody who's really close with that concept feel even more uncomfortable. Okay. So we didn't do anything wrong. Right. And, um, and you are not wrong, right? You are, as an existence are not wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just about how am I taking up space in this world when Hashem is everything? Okay. So it kind of the, and what it, what it 
the feeling that it leads to is that you kind of want to dissolve into the oneness of Hashem, right? Like you want to just kind of be absorbed by this godliness. And again, this is a diminishment, right? This is not an expansiveness experience. This is a diminishment. You just want to disappear into the realm of God, okay? This, this level of fear is very, very profound, okay? And it is difficult to achieve, accomplish. Um, and actually, um, it really... It's really, um, one second. Okay, so this level of awe and fear can only be achieved after you're perfectly observant in the Torah, right? So this is more of like a tzaddik level fear. Um, And you only get to this fear after you have totally absorbed and have perfect behaviors, basically, right? You have a perfect observance of the Torah. Um, And how does that, now we can understand the next phrase, right? What's the next phrase? You can't have fear without wisdom, right? So in order to get to the second level of fear, you have to have the wisdom first. You have to be immersed in Torah. And that's the only way you're going to get to this profound, profound level of fear. So you see how we're stacking? You see how this stacks, right? So first you need the inhibition to curb your desires, right? Um, Because otherwise you won't be able to be Torah observant, right? Then comes um, the wisdom and the Torah observance. Then once we're completely Torah observant, once we're completely immersed in God's wisdom, that will lead to that higher level of fear that um, is profound and basically wants, allows you and wants you to just be absorbed in total godliness, right? Um, So just to describe this higher level a bit more, because it is hard to wrap our brain around, Um, the higher level of fear is very connected to the chachma, right? To the wisdom that that needs to come first, right? What is, I think we've discussed this before, more towards the beginning of, of Tanya, but remember we broke down the word chachma into two words, right? And it was koach ma, the potential of what? Koach is potential and ma is what, right? So what's chachma? The potential of the unknown, right? Chachma has in it a vast amount of potential, but it's not actionable until we go to the next step, right? It's this, it's like that light bulb flash. You have an idea, but without expounding on it, it, it's, it doesn't have a container, okay? Um, so Chachma emerges from nothingness, right? Who is wise? Um, so I'm going to actually um, share with you a bunch of sayings that describe what Chachma is. And I actually want to just do it from inside because that is the best way to do that. Just give me a second. By the way, these these chapters, the these end chapters are so long. 
Okay, if I can't find it right away, I'm going to skip. Oh yeah, uh, okay, almost, almost, almost. Maybe not, maybe I'm not gonna find it. I should have wrote it down. Okay, basically there's a few, um, there's a few quotes that just wanna bring home what Chachma is, okay? Um, so the first one is, um, Chachma, the first one is Chachma emerges from nothingness. Um, the second one, who is wise? A person um, who knows what will be. Okay, so a wise person looks into the future and knows how to act, right? Knows how to navigate the future, right? You, someone who's, sometimes we find ourselves just landing in situations, right? How did we get here? Right. How, how did I get here? I have no idea how I got here. Right. Especially because we're not paying attention. But a wise person pays attention, understands how he gets there and looks ahead. Right. That's a wise person. Um, and all these things are saying Chachma is the um, sensitivity and the gateway to Bittal. Bittal is um, humility. Like, um, there's another word for bittle. Um, do you guys know what the other word for bittle is? It's on the tip of my tongue. It's a, uh, tell me. Humility. Yeah, humility. Yeah, but there's a, yes, I said humility, but there's another, it's going to come to me. There's another way to translate bittle. Uh, whatever, it's going to come to me. But basically, chachma is the um, gateway to humility. Um, and cause remember what we said before, you cannot have God's wisdom. You cannot be open to God's wisdom without a little humility, right? You have to have some, um, constriction, <laughs> make space, right. To have God within your experience. So, um, in other words, Bittel also helps us understand that there's not, nothing's independent from God. We exist. It's important. I'm always going to say there's um, nullification. Thank you. Yes. That's the word I was looking for. Um, but there's, there's, what was I saying? Yeah, we are, we are existed. We, we do exist. It's not a figment of our imagination. We do exist, but we're not separate entities from God. We don't exist without God, right? So that's what Bittal is. That's that humility. That's recognizing that, yes, we exist. Yes, we're here in this world, but we are here as an extension of God. We're not a separate existence from God and we wouldn't exist without God, right? We're not our own existence. So um, when, we, um, when we can employ this bittal, this nullification of who we are and this humility, that is um, what allows us to access these levels of fear. It's all, it's all intertwined right? Fear is always going to be 
based on humility, based on bittal, right? Because showing awe and respect towards somebody else has to mean that you have room for them. What happens when someone's arrogant, someone thinks they, they know it all, a leader, power, right? What happens when someone gets power and misuses it? It's There's no space for anybody else. It's my way or the highway, dictators, right? This is what happens when we live a life and we operate without humility. So in order to create these emotions for God, which is awe, respect, fear, that source of that emotion is always going to stem from humility. And as is your study of Torah, your study of Torah, which is intertwined with fear. You can't have fear without Torah and you can't have Torah without fear, right? It's very, very connected. All, all comes from this aspect of knowing your place, knowing that you are not in existence outside of God. You're not your own existence. And, and knowing that um, you, you know, you are just a small piece in this big puzzle, right? Okay. Um, any questions so far? No. Okay. So, um, now to con okay so we're i'm now going to contrast the lower level and the higher level in two words so we have in our brain what the difference is and we can pull it up if we want to think about it very quickly so the lower level is fear um what do we think about for that lower level of fear the greatness and the awesomeness of the world right in a nutshell. And how do we get there? We look at the physical greatness of the world, which then allows us to apply that to God, right? Um, the higher level of, of, of fear, what do we think about? The non-existence of the world, right? The non-existence of the world, it doesn't have its own existence. It's all God. Okay. Okay. So, um, Lower level of fear, the world's so great. It's so awesome. I'm just a small piece of this world. Higher level of fear, oh my God, I actually don't even have my own existence. I'm, the world doesn't even have its own existence. The spiritual world don't have its own existence. It's all inclusive in God, right? Um, so if we want to, if we think about how great the world is, that will instill in us this lower level of awe. Right. And the deeper level of awe will come when we contemplate the non-existence or the, the non-separate existence of the world. Um, so now, after we've um, spent a lot of time talking about fear, right, and we have the two levels of fear, we understand the two levels of fear, right? Um, So before I, before I continue, do, do we understand why we use the word shame and why this is a healthy shame? It's not a shame that we use for other experiences, right? Does it make sense? I feel like it's like less shame and more like smallness. Yeah, I agree more. I would, I would like to lean into say this like uncomfortable right? This uncomfortable, like, what am I doing here? Kind of thing. I was thinking of the word like mystical, 
also like mystified, like existing and also knowing that your existence isn't like is part of something else. Something bigger. Yeah. Right. So I agree. Like shame is not my favorite word to translate this. Um, yeah. That's how the Tanya uses it. But I think for our modern times, it w- it's definitely going to be difficult for people to yeah. kind of assimilate that word. So I would, I would say, um, but I feel like it's an experience where you want to surrender yourself. I would maybe say surrender. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking also of like the way that we describe shame is like, you are bad. You like are the, bad. And what we said bad. specifically here, we're not are, bad. You are right? small. You are small. You are yeah. small. You, but even more than that, it's you are small, which leads you to want to like surrender yourself. Yeah. Right. So maybe we talk about the second level of fear being more of a surrender. Like I, I want like to surrender to God's yeah. whole, wholeness and all include, like everything's included in God. Okay. So that we're, we're going to recoin um, the second level of fear to like an intense desire to surrender because of your awareness of your smallness. Good, right? Good. Anyone object? Say it now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> um, okay. So on to love. Yay. It's about time. So we have covered two levels of fear. So remember we say equal, all right? Everything's equal. So we're now going to talk about two levels of love. And actually, if we do get to chapter 30, 40, 44, um, we will talk about another two levels of love. Okay. But we'll see, we'll see what we can accomplish. Okay. So the first level of love is referred to as Ava Raba. Okay. This time we're talking about, we're doing it a little backwards, but because that's how the Tanya does it. But the first level of love is the higher level. Okay. With fear, we went the lower level, but the first level of love that we're going to talk about here is actually the higher level of love. It's called Ava Raba, the great love. This is the great love. Okay. The second level of love, which is the lower level, is Ahavas Olam. So either can be translated as eternal love, but we actually are, tra- we're going to even u- use even more the worldly love. Okay. So Olam, like world, worldly love. Okay. So what's interesting about Avaraba is that Avaraba is a gift you get when you are, when, when you reach a certain level. So you don't, you aren't really able to accomplish this on your own. This great love, this Avaraba comes as a gift once you've gone through all the other steps, right? It comes after this, the higher level of fear is going to come the higher level of love. And that's a gift. Now, what I want you to understand with these different levels of love and fear is that they're also um, like steps in the letter. Okay. So although we spoke about two levels of fear at the same time, and we're talking about two levels of love now, really what it looks like is base layer. What's your base layer? Fear, right? Then comes love, then comes fear, then comes love, right? So it's like a, it's like a layered cake. Okay. So even though we discussing fear and then love, understand that this is 
your journey, right? You start with fear because that's your base layer. Then it brings you to this lower level of love. And then you accomplish this low, higher level of fear. And then you accomplish, then as a gift, you're going to get this higher level of love. Now that's very simplified. This is only four layers. There's really many, many, many more in between, but we're not going to get to all those. Even the Tanya doesn't even discuss all of them in this section of Tanya. So we're just doing the basic big picture. Okay. So, um, so what does that mean? If the higher level, higher level of love is a gift, who do you think's mostly going to experience this higher level of love? Sadiqim, right? The righteous, because in order to get there, it's, it's not, it's not super in our, within our reach, right? Like even that higher level of fear is barely within our reach, right? So in order to get this higher level of love, it's a gift and we need to know about it. We need to understand it. We can strive for it, but also understand that this level is really usually for tzaddikim. It's the gift that tzaddikim get for being, for achieving their um, relationship with Hashem. Okay. So this level, it's important to know this level of love is not a result of a meditation. Okay. You can meditate from today till tomorrow on whatever meditation we learn. It's not going to produce Ahavaraba. It's not going to produce this great love. It only comes after everything else is perfect. Okay. So there's not a lot to discuss about this great love because there's not a lot we can do about it. Right. If we reach this amazing transcendent level, then we get the love and we get it as a gift. It's not so there's not much to, to discuss the ins and outs of because it's not really something that we can accomplish with our own actions. So that's really all we're going to talk about Avarabas. Now for Avas, oh, yeah. Is, um, is that, uh, is it a state or is it possible to experience that for like a moment? Like if somehow everything lined up and you had all those perfect things for like that one moment and, and then maybe you could experience it for a moment or is it like you reach it and it's a state and you're like always in that? Okay, um, that's a very good question. So to answer it very, very, um, in like with a lot, of, I don't know the answer for sure. Okay, so I can research it. But my what my sense is, is that remember we said we can have a tzaddik moment, or we can have yeah. a Benini moment, right? My guess is that that could happen. You can have a complete moment of pure ecstasy and love for God that lasts a moment um, because we can have a tzaddik moment, right? So that's my guess. I think for tzaddikim, it would be more of a permanent experience, right? Yep. That's kind of everlasting. But just like we can have a tzaddik moment, um, in other ways, I, I believe we could have a tzaddik moment that includes this amazing, all-encompassing level of love. And I, and honestly, like the, I think the only person who could really judge that would be God, right? He would know whether you've reached that state or not, even for a minute, but I will do more research and find out like the technically, like, what is it? You know, is it just a, is it just a tzaddik like moment, right? That we get close and it's yeah. like mirrors a tzaddik moment or is it actually a real thing? 
Okay. So Ava, okay. So we know Ava Rabba. We, it's this great love. Only when you reach perfection, it's a gift from God. No amount of meditation is going to get us there. Okay. Um, Ava Zolam, we're going to actually do a little bit of math, which is against my principles, but do we know, um, um, I'm sure most of you know the transitive property in algebra, right? A equals B, B equals C. So therefore A equals C, right? So this is exactly what Avas Olam is, right? We're going to look at the world. We are, or, and we're going to observe our life and we're going to observe and feel all the things that we love in our life, right? And that bring us joy, that bring us happiness. And then we're going to think about, well, who's the one that provides all these things, right? God. So then we can apply that love towards God. So A equals B, right? This, um, when I go skiing, right? I, I enjoy it so much. I love it. Um, it brings me so much joy to be in nature. It fills me up, right? Right? So A equals B. This brings me joy. B equals C. Where does this come from? Where does this experience come from? Who provided us with this experience? God. Oh, okay. So A equals C. So I love God. Right? If I love the things that God's providing, take that love and apply it to God. Right? So that's the, the, um, lower level of worldly love. Why? It's because we're looking at the world. We're looking at things that we can relate to. And then we're applying that same emotion to God, but because he deserves it, right? He's the one that provides these things for us. So what would it look like to have a meditation of worldly love? What would it look like? You would literally sit and have like a gratitude meditation, right? It's like a gratitude journal, taking a moment to manifest your, your gratitude, your love, the things that you love, you know? So it's really a focus, like, what do you choose to think about, right? What do you choose to think about? If you choose to think about the things that you love about your life, you feel it, right? You will feel the love. And when you feel the love for these physical things, it's very doable to put that love onto God. And then that will create a love for God, which will then create action, which will then want, will create your desire to do things for God, right? And to do what he wants, right? It's pretty logical, right? What's the similarity between the lower level of love and the lower level of fear? We're using the same uh, equation. What are we doing very similarly? Just one is focusing on our, on the greatness of the world, which makes us feel small. And one is focusing on the, the love and the enjoyment. We're both focusing on worldly. We're both focusing on the, for the lower level of fear and the lower level of love, we're focusing on worldly matters, worldly things, the world around us, and then applying that emotion to God. And that's, that is very accessible to all of us, right? So that's why we have our lower level of fear and our lower level of love. It's really using the same equation, that same transitive property 
and creating the emotion that you want to create. And the, and we know the reason why we want to create the fear and respect first, right? Because love without that foundation of respect doesn't land, right? You can't just love on God without having any respect for him. So um, that wraps up chapter 43. Chapter 44 is going to take us to another two levels of um, love. It's not very long, but it's already 745 and I don't want to just stuff it in. Okay. So we're going to take some time. We're going to do a proper meditation. We'll, we'll have time for questions. Um, but I think it's smart not to like try to stuff in another whole chapter. Um, I think we have enough to contemplate. We have enough opportunities for meditation. We've learned many different meditations that we can apply and, um, we'll pick it up. The thing is I won't be here next week. Um, so review right? Practice your meditation for two weeks. <laughs> focus on your lower level of fear. Focus on your lower level of love. And we'll pick up in the following week. But I have a question here. Um, isn't that dangerous because you can say X thing is bad. And if you, everything is Hashem, then this bad thing is also bad. Okay. So I think your question is, if we have the perspective that something is bad in our life, then we um, can put that on God, right? I have a few things to say about that in different directions. Number one, yeah, so what, right? If you are experiencing something that's negative or bad, you can put that on God, right? He provided that for you. If you have, if you are angry at God, or if you're suffering, or if you're struggling, then you turn to God and he's responsible for that struggle, right? You are, you are, um, have enough humility and you have enough understanding of the way the world works, that God is responsible for your experiences um, ultimately, right? Doesn't mean we're off the hook in our behaviors. And sometimes we make, guys, if we're making bad choices that lead us to have a bad experience, you need to own that as well, right? You can't blame that on God. You've got to take responsibility for your, for your own behaviors and your own actions. But if something is happening to you that feels bad and negative, then yeah, you turn to God and you pray and you say, I, why? I don't want this, right? Please make it better. That's my first thing to say. My second thing to say is in chapter 26, we spoke about um, problem solving, right? These obstacles that get in our way of serving God with joy. And one of the obstacles that we spoke about is um, mundane and physical challenges, right? So whether it's physical um, with children related, health related, money related, um, that can get in our way of serving God. And what we spoke about in chapter 26 is how to reframe our experiences as not negative or positive, but God knowing what's best for you. So I would go and listen to chapter 26. It might even be in two classes um, and listen to that and come back to me and we can discuss further. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, any other questions you will let me know. Um, and you can think about them during our meditation. Okay. So get comfortable. Okay. Let me just find where I am here. Okay, close your eyes when you're ready.
Take a deep breath in. In through your nose, all the way down. Ex expand your chest all the way into your belly. And remember, we, we want our exhale to start kind of where our pubic bone is, all the way deep inside of us and up and out. Okay. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes, a minute or two to just focus on your intentional breathing. And also what this does is it helps our mind stay focused on our breath. So it doesn't wander into a million places. So if you find your mind wandering, bring your attention back to your breath. Okay. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Okay, visualize this great light shining into your body and melting away any tension you might be still holding inside of you. So we all carry tension inside of us. Observe and kind of find where you're holding that tension and just let it go. Let it go. Okay, being that we're not rushing through our meditation, I'm going to use this opportunity to really summarize what we spoke about in short sound bites. So it leaves you with a clear understanding of what we discussed. Okay, so I might be saying a few more things that I usually do through meditation, but just sit with it, let it just flow over you and just observe how that makes you feel when you hear these concepts, okay? So if your reverence is inspired by the fact that God is watching you or by the fact that the physical world veils his presence, then you have achieved a lower reverence, okay? Reverence as in fear. If your reverence is inspired by the awesomeness of God as expressed in the spiritual world, that's another way of achieving lower reverence. Okay. So if it's, if you're feeling that God is watching you, so it causes you to have some inhibition or you're feeling the you're small because of the vast and great world that you're in, that's your lower level of reverence. Okay. A higher, the higher reverence is you lose your sense of self in the presence of God. You connect with the reality of God, which leaves no room for any other separate existence. Okay, so you become completely absorbed in the idea that there's no separate existence and you want to just lose yourself into the single existence of God. Okay, that's the higher level of reverence. Rings a bell. It makes sense. This is what we've discussed. 
sit with those thoughts for a minute. It's impossible to attain higher reverence and chachma consciousness without first elevating your mind through the observance of Torah and mitzvah. So this higher level of fear only comes when you've achieved the perfect level of Torah observance and mitzvahs. Okay, that's why it only comes after wisdom. So those are our two levels of fear. Love of God also has two levels. The higher level, Ahava Rabba, which is the great love. It's a pleasurable love, the joy of already being connected to God, right? It, it comes as a gift. No amount of meditation is going to get you there. It's the, it's the gift that you get for already being so connected. Okay, it can't be earned. And will only come as a gift from above to a person who's already complete in his or her reverence of God. So basically, after achieving the higher level of reverence, the gift of the higher level of reverence is the higher level of love. Okay? The lower level of love, avas olam, can be acquired through meditating on how God is the source of all pleasures and he transcends them. So if we think about all the things that we love and enjoy, if we look around the world and revel in the greatness in the world in the sense that it's beautiful and we enjoy it, that is the lower level of love. Okay. So we discussed a lot this chapter. We now know two levels of love. We now know two levels of fear. We know how they work with each other. We know how to accomplish each one, except for the higher level of love, which is a gift, right? We have a lot of different meditations under our belt, right? So if you get bored of one, there's a lot you can try. So bring your attention back to your breath. Let your mind go, let it wander. Don't let, let it not work so hard. Just focus on your breath in and out. Wiggle your fingers and your toes, bring sensation back to your body. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. No rush. Okay, so that was a lot um, of information. Any questions after we meditated, after we, we reviewed all the different layers, anything come to mind? Questions, comments, feelings? Yes, Karee. Can you have two levels of love, the lower and the higher? Yeah, once you've reached a higher level of love, you automatically are feeling that lower level. Obviously, yeah, but yeah. Uh, so the lower level is, is there. In order to get that higher level of love, you already have had to go through that process. So you're already experiencing that. And any, obviously, any pleasures that you experience in the world, you're going to attribute to God. Right. Make but sense? then 
then you but is it easier is it is it easier then to achieve the higher level of god of love for god well you might be closer to achieving it but it's still going to be a gift it's not going to co come from your effort or work it's going to become as a gift after reaching the higher level of fear when you get to that higher level of fear and you master it the gift for that from god is the higher level of love and it's only the tzaddiks though or no i don't want to say only a tzaddik okay um but i want to say that it's much more accessible to a tzaddik because you really have to have perfect behaviors in order for that to occur right so, yeah. uh, you know, it's tricky for a Bainani because he has perfect behaviors, but his emotions aren't there. You kind of have to have perfect emotions and for perfect behaviors to get there. So like uh, Sarah said, maybe we can have a tzaddik moment with this great love, but it's not going to be an everlasting experience if we're not tzaddikim. Okay. Okay. So it's a lot like, listen, this is profound stuff. It's a lot to like, this is the first time we're learning it. So just let it sit with you. Think about it, contemplate it, meditate on it. See where it brings you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Okay. Thank you for being here, guys. We're on chapters 44. Like we're almost done. We're almost done. We have a couple more classes.